Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Hi, I'm Jill Taylor and welcome to Choose Life Radio. Our guest today is reticent about getting too much information out about her and so we're going to go with just first name only. But I'm very excited to introduce Olivia. Olivia, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to hear your voice. And you've been busy doing lots of things. You have a 15-year-old. Tell me about being a mom of a 15-year-old. That's kind of a tough time. It's definitely a challenge. She's in basketball, and I'm always kind of running all over the place trying to help her. So you have to go out for the tournaments and everything? I do, and I have to travel a lot, and but it's fun. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, Olivia, you had a difficult marriage. Would you talk to us about the issues that may have come up that caused you to say, I need to have a divorce, I can't be living with you anymore? My marriage, you know, I wanted what everyone else wants, and there was just some sort of disconnect after several years, and I had different feelings that something else was going on and it came to light that my ex-husband was had an addiction to pornography. That's heartbreaking. How did you deal with that? Um, I ended up just having to step away from the situation after it got to where it was also, you know, physical in person meeting with people. And so at that point I think that's kind of what led me down to start wanting to figure out how to cope with my feelings. It's all my life that I knew fell apart at that time. But you came from a family of a really strong parents, and this must have been disappointing to you and, and to them. Yes, very much so. My parents had set a good example. I went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. My grandparents were always in church. So when I stayed with them, I was always in church. And I I had a very good childhood. Tell me a little bit about that with your grandparents. They lived close to you as well then? They lived in Oklahoma. It was always different. You know, with my mom's side, my grandma, she was Pentecostal. So going to her church and then going to the Baptist church on the other side, you know, was two, (laughs) two totally different things. Yes. So I, I got to experience different kinds of church, and I enjoyed, you know, each one. But I grew up going to Baptist with my parents, so getting dressed up every Sunday and, you know, eating lunch after church, and it, it was a lot of good memories. You know, I picked up your story at one point when I realized you were in a hospital and you were really near death. That was a tough time in your life. What took place that took you from, I love my family, I love my parents, I, I have support, my daughter is adorable, I want to get her to the basketball games, to all of a sudden just actually not wanting to eat anything, becoming bulimic? Give me some information about what took place. Well, after uh, my divorce, I was just kind of lost, and alcohol had always been sort of a 
friend in a way. Um, I was in the military and we would socially um, always drink. And I just remember feeling when I drank my first drink, I had an amazing feeling. I remember thinking, I wish I could feel this way forever. So unfortunately, my first coping mechanism was to start having drinks here and there. Um, I didn't feel good about myself. I thought, you know, I'm never going to look like those people that my husband was pursuing. And that's why I developed body issues with that. And I just started drinking maybe on the weekends. And then it just progressively got more and more to where, you know, out of nowhere, I was trying to figure out why do I have this headache? And I came to realize that I was having withdrawals. And that didn't even take that much for that to creep up on me. And from there is when it just kind of spiraled downhill. It sounded like you had a combination there of alcohol numbing you and not eating, which deprives your body from the things that it has to have in order for you to to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So from there, I would be what you consider functioning alcoholic. I, I believed I was. I was able to drink, you know, take care of my daughter, work from home at that time. Um, when things got really bad, it was around when COVID began. And so I was able to drink more. And slowly the withdrawals became so severe that I, I was to the point where I was drinking throughout the night to be able to not go to the hospital. Um, and that's the worst feeling I can't even explain how it feels, but I would have to wake up about every hour, every two hours, so that my heart rate would go down and then I could relax a little bit. And you don't understand how quickly it can all go. And I never had an idea that my body was just going to give out. I mean, I knew it was possible, but I never thought it would happen to me. And I wasn't just a full-blown alcoholic my whole life. So, you know, I thought I had some time. And... I woke up one morning and my daughter came to me and she said, Mom, your eyes are really yellow. Ah. And I looked and I I guess they were a little yellow to me. And I wasn't feeling, I was feeling really bad. But at that time I thought, well, I probably have COVID. So I went to get a, a test and the nurse came out. And the first thing she said to me was, I think you need to go to the hospital. You're completely yellow, your eyes and your face. Then I kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't even recognize this person. And and I was yellow. And from there, um, I go to the hospital and it was just very quickly. I was told my liver was barely functioning. So when your liver shuts down and my kidneys shut down, started to shut down. And from there, I'm in ICU for weeks and weeks, and it just happened very quickly. And because of that, I would think your daughter spent more time with her father. Yes, she did. Um, Between him and my parents, I wasn't even able to parent for, I would say, months and months. I was in and out of the hospital. It took me a good year or so before I could somewhat start to walk and get my basic functions back. 
And I just remember feeling the extreme shame, extreme guilt that I wasn't, I was missing out on my daughter's basketball games. I was missing out, you know, on what was going on in her life all because of alcohol. And when I'm sobering up and going through this whole process, all I could think about was all the bad things I said to people, bad situations I put myself in, just numerous amounts of times, things that I'm so ashamed of. And at that point, you know, I was also told that I probably had six months to live unless I got a liver. So I thought this was it. And at that point, I had felt too ashamed to talk to God. I felt too embarrassed, too, that there's no way that he's going to be able to save me. And I just prayed to him, and I decided I wanted to live. I wanted to live. And I prayed to him, and I asked him to forgive me for these things. I asked for healing. And at that point, I felt a weight lift off me. Now we come to now, and I'm doing so much better. I know our listener is praying for you right now as we talk. I also know there are people that are identifying with you. Alcohol is a first step often, just one little drink or a little bit of wine, or I'm going to do this just tonight because guests are here and they want alcohol. And all of a sudden, especially if you're systemic to it, you know, you're a person who cannot leave it alone once you have it. You've got to call out immediately for help because obviously for the length of time you went through it, your liver was destroyed. Yes. Did you understand all of that when the doctor was talking to you about where you were at this point? I hadn't realized just how bad it was. It seems like, you know, everybody drinks. And in my head, it hadn't been that bad for that long. And I always thought, well, I had to be an alcoholic, you know, into my 50s and 60s for for this to happen. But that's just not the case. And it can happen at any time when you're not expecting it. I just wanted to get across that God can heal you. I was healed. And another thing that was heavy on my heart was how is everybody else going to forgive me? I was embarrassed to be, you know, talk to my parents about it, to face my daughter. And not only did God heal me, he also worked in the hearts of others around me. Forgiveness was given to me. And I never would have thought that here I might not even need a transplant at this point. It's really just a miracle. Your mom is a nurse, if I recall. And was she aware? Was she looking at you and saying, things are getting bad here? I need to intercede with what's going on? I was pretty good at hiding it. My mom had an idea that I was drinking, but no one really knew how bad it was. There was an idea, but... I kept it pretty much to myself. And again, with COVID and being able to work from home, that made it easier to hide the fact that I could drink all day and all night, pretty much. You know, we've heard a tremendous amount from you. I want to I flip side on the other side of our interview today, talking about 
all the redemption that's taken place. We'll do that when we come back, just after this quick break at Choose Life Radio. In Exodus 17, Moses is standing on a hilltop watching Joshua and the Israeli army battling below. God's staff is in Moses' hand, and he's focused on the battle. As time wore on, it became obvious when Moses kept his arms and staff high in the air, Joshua and his army prevailed. But when his arms began to drop, the army began to lose. So while the battle was raging, Aaron and Hur ran to the top of the hill to help Moses. They placed a stone so he could be seated, and then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. As the Bible records, his hands remained steady until the sun went down. This is the way Joshua defeated Amalek and his army. Listener, you represent Aaron and Hur. You keep our arms high and our words readily heard by those in the valley. Like Moses, we can't do it alone. You're a crucial part of the battle for life. Through your generous prayer and financial support, you keep Choose Life Radio on the air each weekend, and you keep the website current and the podcasts available for all to hear. You know, you can make your generous contribution today at our website, chooseliferadio.com, or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622. That's in Canton, Ohio, 44735. Your tax-deductible contribution is helpful as we share the value of human life. So I thank you for holding our arms and staff high, for all to see and hear, and for joining us in the battle for life. And thank you for being an essential part of the Choose Life Radio family. You are loved. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host. We have Olivia with us today. Olivia would rather not have her entire name put out there because she's aware that the story she's telling us is very personal. And so when we have someone like that who just says, this is my story, but I don't want to be identified on this, I'm going to say, hallelujah, that you're willing to share your story. Listener, if this is your story and you're hiding it, I want you to know, hallelujah, you're hearing someone share it today. And I pray for you that alcohol, that is everyone uses it, it seems, or a glass of wine, or, or even take a bottle and, and just enjoy it while you're watching television. It is something that can own you before you realize it. And God doesn't want that with us. He doesn't want anything to come before him. So with God working with us today, I want to bring back in Olivia and say, Olivia, thank you for sharing what you've shared already. Thank you so much for listening to me. I think one of the things you said at the, in the first half was that you had no realization that it was as bad as it was. You were slowly but surely getting into this pattern of this is what I do, I can drink more. And it was your daughter who noticed that your eyes were yellow. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with your daughter through this. She was aware, uh, you know, obviously that I had been drinking more. It did get to the point where I couldn't hide it anymore. She had to deal with worrying about me dying when I was gone in the hospital. Uh, They didn't know, you know, if I was going to live. And 
So she was having to go to school and try and do her homework and play basketball and worry about her mom, you know, maybe not making it. And I thought there's no way, I didn't know how I was going to repair that. And I do want people to know that once you're sober, God can work with your relationship. I have a wonderful relationship with my daughter now. It's taken time um, with God in the center of it, back involved in my church, and putting God first has allowed me to bond with her. She trusts me, and it took time, but now I have probably a better relationship with her than I did before, and she sees me not as an alcoholic, but a mom that chose life, that chose to fix the problem and chose to fight. And people can look at it that perspective. And I don't want people to think or be ashamed that no one's ever going to forgive them for the things that they've done. Because alcohol makes you do bad things and say hurtful things to people. But no matter how bad it is, nothing's too bad for God to forgive you and to work on your relationship once you're sober. Well, that's very good advice and probably difficult to do sometimes. And the love is the support that we need when we're going through a tough time. Tell me about your ex-husband. I guess you were divorced at this point. Yes, we were. Tell me a little bit about your husband. He definitely stepped up to the plate during that time. We've worked through a lot of things. We're able to just be on a co-parenting level and be friends, if that's the word you want to use. But he definitely stepped up. He helped me with her. He lives in the same town as me. So he was supportive, but there's still some bit of toxicity there that I have to set boundaries up so that I don't fall back into a codependency. But he definitely did help me out. You mentioned before to me about some hobbies that helped you be distracted from other things that might be tempting you. Tell me a little bit about the tumbling rocks. When I was on my healing journey, I was finally, after months, able to begin walking again. And I was staying with my parents out more in the country, and it was a beautiful place to heal. I never in my life would have thought I would love rocks, but there was a river nearby. And once I got well enough to walk, my mom would drop me off. I couldn't drive anymore, and she would drop me off at this river. And I just became fascinated with the different rocks and fossils that I would find, and I learned about that you can tumble them and turn them into beautiful, smooth, shiny rocks, and it's almost like an art to me. So they joke with me that I have a rock problem because I would bring home... (laughs) you know, rocks and rocks and rocks. And I would have them lined up outside. My mom's like, you got to put your rocks away. But (laughs) that became, you know, a beautiful thing for me. God, I believe, gave me these new hobbies that makes me excited, makes me excited to be sober. And there's so many things I'm learning that you can enjoy life sober with a clear mind. And it can be so much better than being intoxicated. I'm fascinated by the tumbling rocks and the rawness of them when you find them and then the smoothness of them after they've been tumbled and and worked with and you get this beautiful smooth rock. 
And I think if we identify that with you, Olivia, you were in a rough spot. (laughs) You were in a place where people probably would have liked to have walked away from you. It was just too hard to watch what you were doing to yourself. And yet, God doesn't walk away from us. Because he knows what that rock is going to look like when it's smoothed out and beautiful and all the blemishes are taken away and the beautiful colors show. And I think that's what you are. You know, at that time, in my darkest places, my self-worth was low. I didn't think I was worthy of love at that point. My marriage had failed. Everything just kept piling up and piling up. And I would have never thought from the depths of darkness where I was that I would be here, I would be sober, and I would be loving myself and knowing that God made me just the way I am and my body, everything about me is beautiful because he made me in an image of him. And I'm learning slowly to love myself. And there's nothing that I'm more grateful for than the clarity every morning now when I wake up and I don't have a headache. I'm not hungover. I know what I said last night. I know what I did last night. I have control over my life and control over my emotions. And all of this is by the grace of God. Nothing you've done is too far gone for God to pull you out of it. Well, that's a great statement. And I think that we are all dealing with something in our lives that we think, God, I wish I weren't doing this. Help me walk away from it. One of the things that you have taught us in this brief time we've had with you is that there's one side of you that was just torturous, horribly difficult. And you had a family member, a child, looking at you and saying, what's going on with mom? But the reality is, God not just only redeemed you, he kept her alongside. Your daughter's loving you. It sounds like you have a a pretty normal home life together. We've definitely, in a way, I would say bonded over the situation. Like I said, it took time to earn her trust back. But now I'm proud of myself, and I never thought I would be to say that I chose to live. I, I could have given up and just continued down that path because it was so hard to stop. I'm two years sober, and I never would have thought I'd be here from being at the point where I was drinking every hour on the hour. And just to know that my daughter forgave me, and she will always know that I chose to fight for her. I chose to fight to be the mother that she needed me to be. And so now we are living a very happy and healthier life. Olivia, talk to me a little bit about your church, because sometimes the church doesn't even realize someone's going through something like this. How did they engage with you? My church is wonderful. Um, they, of course, had prayed over me and prayed over my my liver. I don't think they even realized how difficult it was. My church is very open and accepting of you feel comfortable going to them with anything and they offer counseling. They offer free counseling. They'll pay for the first three sessions. 
they're very understanding and, you know, offer any kind of help that you could need. And that helped me not to feel ashamed. And now I'm to the point where I'm able to give back to everybody that's helped me give back to my community. And that feels really good. Well, it's a great word for our church because that is what God wants. He wants us to stop judging each other for what we see and instead step in and be a help, be someone who's trustworthy, someone who can be counted on to hear the story and not share it as gossip. These are things that every institution has to deal with. But in particular church, we cannot be a place where we simply look at someone and as they walk by, make a comment about them. You know, we have to be that body is part of our body. And so what you have shown us today is the worst of the worst, and then the best of the best. You are establishing a really strong relationship with your daughter, and I would imagine with your parents when they're around as well. I'm really proud of you, Olivia. Thank you for sharing this story. Thank you. And dear listener, thanks for joining us today. I've had tears in my eyes several times, and I just pray that you will use this opportunity to reach out to someone who is also in need that you see and be the kind of person that Olivia needed. The story is pretty powerful, Olivia. We'll all be sharing it. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. And I would encourage you, dear listener, to take a look at our website, Choose Life Radio. We have lots of other interviews there that I don't want you to miss. I'm Jill Taylor saying goodbye, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.